Hey, listen up. Yeah, we here and we locked in. Let's keep it going all the way to the top 10. We feel the turtle, so it's no other option. Fred and Ryan, just watch them. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. What's up, everybody? Fred and Ryan, episode 11, Shell and Tell podcast. It's Sunday, November 24th. Ryan, it's been a few weeks since we've been here. It's been it a few weeks been. since we've done this. <laughs> now we got this cool new fire intro everyone can I know, to. man. Big shout out to my boy, Matt Dickey, uh, with the new intro. He uh, he hooked me up with uh, Birdland BS intro, and I figured if we're going to do this show and do it right, I had to reach out to him again, man, and he uh, he delivered. That's, that's much more than we expected. I love it. I hope you guys love it, too. <laughs> yeah, man, we got a little bit of a different format uh, to this week's show. We're going to try to change things up with the uh, basketball season kind of being uh, the more dominant sport right now and the more popular sport, I guess, the more <laughs> the sport that people want to hear more about. Uh, so we, we're going to kind of change things up. We're going to dive into about five to ten minutes of the football team, talk a little bit about the uh, the blowout loss to Nebraska Unfortunately, we're going to talk about maybe the direction uh, of the football program moving forward, some of the things that we liked and disliked with this season, uh, the expectations of Mike Loxley and crew moving forward. So we got a lot to cover on the football team. And then on the basketball side, Ryan, we got a couple of new segments that we're excited about. Yeah, we kind of want to break it up into segments. Uh, we got some catchy little names here. We got uh, Only Time Will Shell, which <laughs> will be everything time related. It will be a minutes check. Look at the rotation and Ben's usage and the future matchups, things that'll be only time will tell. I like it. Um, then we got shells like team spirit. It's kind of a little hot or not section. Our most impressive terp that we think and um, who we need to see more from who's disappointing us. So me and Fred will each have a pick. Love it. Um, and then turtle tantrums. That's gonna be where we're going to try to isolate our negativity and our rants. <laughs> you know, it may be one day it's about the poor student attendance. It may be one day about. Something going on at the college. Yeah. And you'll have to hang on to see what it is today. As much as we love our Terps, you know, we try to pride ourselves on not being a doom and gloom podcast. You know, there are a lot of those out there and sometimes they can be uh, they can be hard to listen to, you know, especially when you're you're already struggling through the football season and things the way that they are. So we're we're gonna try to keep that at a minimum and isolate it. Yeah, a little stress <laughs> relief. You know, exactly. I'm, I'm gonna get one. Gotta one get it week. out, right? Yeah. It's a, <laughs> it'll be like a monologue format. I'll get one one episode and Fred will get one the next so we can release. <laughs> our stress uh in a oh, contained man. manner well look we can't isolate the football season as bad as it's been uh you know <laughs> the, the terps are embarrassed at home yesterday as they end up losing 54 to 7 to nebraska it, it was a blowout loss uh this is now their sixth conference loss in the year by 25 or more points i just want to know how bad are syracuse and rutgers yeah, right. <laughs> that's that's, that's my real question here. Touche. <laughs> Touche. So that puts the Terps at three and nine overall, one and seven in the Big Ten. I mean, honestly, right now they're playing as one of the worst power five schools in the conference. We're still not Rutgers. No. We're not Rutgers. That's true. I guess if we can <laughs> hang our hats on anything. Uh if they but, were going to vote out a team of the Big Ten, we'd still be safe just barely. <laughs> no, we're not the weakest link. <laughs> but there was some sloppy play in this game, man, and it, it kind of seemed to kind of go along with, with what we've seen all year. Uh, you know, a lot of drop balls, uh, some missed opportunities on fourth down, 
Uh, and, you know, they never really got into the red zone in this game. I know they had the one big play on Javon Leak's 58-yard touchdown. But even Javon, I mean, he had a case of the fumbles in this game, had three fumbles, uncharacteristic of him. It's just been – this was a, a bad showing altogether. Yeah, it was a really bad show. I mean, everyone knows Javon Leak is looking for uh, the record-breaking um, kickoff returned in touchdowns. Uh, right. right now he's tied for it. Um, but when you muff a kickoff and get it turned over like that, that's – you know, he's turned in a muff uh, – kickoff at Rutgers to a touchdown right but this one he just turned it into a turnover yeah but you know what it, again this might have been a bad game for Javon Leak but yeah. look he's to be able to do what he's done this year considering the issues that we've had on the offensive line I mean he's he's up there I want to say he's in the top five at least as far as yards per carry as a running back that's damn impressive considering they're in the Big Ten, and they're playing a JV offensive line out there week in and week out. They are, and he is amazingly impressive. Uh, we love everything about Javon Leak. We'll take one bad game for everything he's given us this year. It's been one of the very few bright spots on that squad. Um, but, you know, you got to tell when somebody's doing bad. Right. Well, speaking of bright spots, you know, one kid that uh, is hopefully the, the one bright spot we can hang our hats on for the future it's got to be Lance Lejean, and we saw him in this game. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't see him very long as he goes down with a uh, a shoulder injury. Yeah, he also had a shoulder injury. Everybody's probably seen him on the QB1 on Netflix. That was yeah. part of the reason that he was injured his uh, senior year in high school and kind of played through in the playoffs. Um, this is his non-throwing shoulder. I guess I, if there's any positive, you yeah, can say that. Right? I guess that matters, but he's he. I mean, he throws the ball well, but he's a running quarterback. So contact on your shoulder, you know, anybody that follows the NFL right now, James Conner's got a shoulder made of glass, and he can't stay on the field. Right. So we can't have our quarterback in that scenario. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely something to worry about. But look, this was going to be the last game that he was going to see this year anyway, because they weren't going to risk, bur yeah, burning his red shirt in any kind of way. Um, so. He's got a whole off season to heal up. Again, as you said, it wasn't his throwing shoulder, so if you're going to have any hope, that's, I guess, a good sign that it's not his throwing shoulder. But this got me kind of thinking, uh, you know, since last night and really through today today, has been the progress or the lack of progress that we've seen with this team so far this year. You know, Mike Loxley, I knew coming in year one, was not going to be able to fix everything. I mean, he's not a miracle worker, right? But we did get some exciting recruits come in on a short time frame that he had in recruitment. Uh, some exciting guys, some nice pieces, Lance being one of those, Nick Cross being another one on the defensive side, uh, Isaiah Hazel, which we, hasn't e we haven't even seen him yet. Yeah. Uh, so there are definitely some pieces in place, but as explosive as this team started the year, you mentioned it earlier with the big win against Syracuse, and then we started to kind of taper off and it, it, things started going downhill. I guess the one thing that I really wanted to see out of this team as they progressed through the season, even though I knew it was going to be a long year, I wanted to see progress. And I don't feel like I've really seen much progress. Well, we haven't seen progress, but it's also been like this war of attrition. We've lost player after player, whether it be to injury or legal issues, as we had another one this week. Yeah, um, with uh, very unfortunate Fleet, Fleet Davis getting arrested for a DUI incident. Thursday night, Friday morning. So it was early Friday morning, but, you know, he's still out partying from Thursday night. He's getting a DUI Friday morning. Right. Um, and earlier this year, we had DJ Turner, another starter. Well, you know, Fleet Davis is our third running back, but still a very big oh, part of this backfield. Definitely a contributor, for yeah, sure. I mean, we, we were looking at five deep at the beginning of the year. We're now down to two running backs, and yeah. Ant's pretty much been hurt all year, so it's really one and a half. Right. Um, so it's been a war of attrition all 
all phases. You lose to Schwan Jones to injury. You lose DJ Turner to the other DUI early in the year. At least his was during a bye week, not a day and a half before your before your next game. You're getting yeah, a DUI. Very true. Uh, so uh, that's that's a big problem. That needs to be taken care of. Now, do you? Do you put any of that on the coaching staff? Do you put that on the university, not keeping an eye or a closer eye on some of these guys? I know we talked about it a little bit with DJ Turner. We thought maybe that was just an isolated incident. But now that we've seen multiple through the year, because there was another case. uh, I can't think of the guy's name. uh, Jordan. um, I can't think of his name where he wasn't playing because of personal issues and hasn't been playing all year. So you don't really know what the situation was there. Was it the center, Johnny Jordan? Johnny Jordan, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean we don't we don't know what it is. It could be for any family related. It could. He, I don't know. He, I'm uh, just saying we know for sure two. Yeah. There's a third I, one that's questionable. I think that he's a big enough name that if it was something like this, it would have been dug out and put public. Right. Um so most likely he's just got his own stuff going on. The only thing I can say for locks, which is barely being able to say for locks since he was here when some of these guys were recruited, right, <laughs> is they aren't his guys from this time. <laughs> these are upperclassmen that are getting in trouble. These are not his his new shiny recruits, people that are buying into the system. But to your point, these are upperclassmen, right? These are the guys that are supposed to be setting the example for the younger guys. These are the guys that are supposed to be the leaders on your team. You know, you, Now, I get it. They're kids, all of them, freshmen all the way through senior. But you also are supposed to be – learning and maturing through those years of college and i just haven't seen that out of some of our seniors yeah i mean i can't give excuses for everything and some things you take personal responsibility for but these guys have been through so much i mean they've been through four years of losing efforts with you know the bright spots being two wins against texas and a loss in overtime to ohio state i mean there were some other really good games where you spanked illinois you spanked purdue but really those are the top that come in there I get experience. it, but that doesn't justify DUIs. They're there for the death of their teammate. We don't know what these guys are dealing with. Like, no, that's like, true. There's ineffective coping. Sure, it's not right. They shouldn't right. be doing this, but this could just be an attitude issue. This could be a behavior thing, or this could be like some PTSD shit from uh, terror movies being played at breakfast with your last regime. So that, <laughs> that kind of goes back to my last point. Does this more fall on the coaches and the staffs for not having a better eye, especially on some of these senior kids that have gone through all that. They got a lot of kids to look out for. They probably need to do a better job. Um, I I think that this year, his job, his like, like he said, the very first recruiting effort he did when he got in here was to recruit all the players that were already here. And he did, and that you had to do that to stop the bleeding. Because if everybody left that wanted to leave before Loxley got here, you would have had a 30-man squad, and we would have all projected them to lose you know, all but one game. Right. Because you're running with 30 dudes both ways. Right. So you had to stop the bleeding. Now this year, a lot of it is probably going to be a tryout. There's going to be some closed door meetings. We'll never know. The transfer portal is going to be active. There's going to be a ton of people leaving this program, but I don't think they'll ever tell us how many were asked to leave and how many wanted to leave. Because I promise you when you go start going to this, so-and-so is leaving, so-and-so is leaving, I bet half of them, the coaches went and said, we don't think that you fit here. We don't think that you're a good um, a, it for our locker room or you haven't bought into our program, and we think you'd get more playing time somewhere else. So please consider entering the transfer portal. Right. You can't get rid of them, you know, yeah. but but you can say, you're probably riding the bench here next year with your scholarship. If you want more of an opportunity. If you want more of an opportunity, you got to go elsewhere. Yeah, no, I so agree with I, that. I, and we'll never know. They're not going to put that list out. I wish they would. I right. wish they'd just be like, you know, these eight players have been asked to leave, so it wouldn't look so bad because 
every time that someone enters enters the transfer portal, people are going to act like the sky is falling. Yeah. But some of those, the coach wanted to leave. So that that brings up the next point, and I wanted to hit on was you know moving forward for the future. There's obviously, as you said, there's going to be a lot of changes. Some players leaving, some players coming. Uh, you know, this recruiting class that we have coming in this year looks to be a pretty decent recruiting class. Not great, but so far it's been it's been pretty good. Uh, there are some names, some big names that we're excited about. You know, Rip, Ruben Hippolyte, who through this entire process hasn't wavered his stance on being committed to the university at all, which is huge because he's a big recruit uh, and he's got a lot of, of a lot of a a big following. Yeah, a lot of other recruits. Quarterback King out of California that's still been very vocal on, on uh, Twitter and social media networks. And, and recruiting McDougal, people. The McDougal's, McDougal's a big get. Uh, a couple of great running backs coming in, Jackson things. So you have guys that have stood pat and watched the disaster that is here. And that's kind of what we talked about early in this year is that he was recruiting a bunch of three to low four stars at the right. beginning of his recruitment process. But they all seem to have legitimate reasons of wanting to be here we talked about the kids like his father grew up in dc um the one right. from georgia um things like that that tied them to this program reasons they want to be here now the locals haven't really fallen in but the locals had to watch all this on the news every day every year right. so it's going to take a little bit of time there i think the 2021 class already has three locals signed up yeah so there is some some going the right direction yeah we had the decommitment at halftime at ohio state Again, I don't think you want that guy in your locker room. No, if you're not on board with this program and you're doing that kind of silly stuff, yeah, yeah. I don't want you, you can, here anyway. I have no problem if you if it's best for you to decommit from this squad. You don't think it's best for your future? That's fine. But decommitting at halftime was was, was a bad insult look. to the guy that gave you a shot. Hundred percent. So um, then you have, of course, the the biggest loss I would think is Rashad Rashad, Rashad Battle out of out of Georgia. Yeah, um, that's probably the one that I've been most upset about. Um, but a, a lot of ties were talked about. That was when. Um, another Georgia offer was pulled for a defensive end, um, and he decommitted. Apparently, they didn't like how that was treated. Is all the words on the on the terrapin pages? So that seems to be more of a parent or friend influence than that kid straight bailing on the program. Right. And I still hold out hope that maybe he'll come back because if it's not your decision, you can always make your own decision later. So I think my biggest problem, or I think the quickest thing that's going to fix this program immediately is going to be getting some help in the trenches because we've got some good recruits coming in at the skill positions. We've got good guys already here at skill positions, and that's all great. But at the end of the day, if you don't have the offensive line to be able to give your quarterback time, none of those skill positions do anything for you. Same thing on the defensive side of the ball. If you can't get to the quarterback and create pressure, then all the skill, they can't cover forever. So that's that's kind of my problem here is we've seen a depleted secondary. We don't see a ton of secondary help coming in that looks great. So I think for me the two areas that I want to see the the Terps go into the junior tri- junior college uh, transfer portal would be in the trenches, offensive line and defensive line, and some secondary help. Yeah, I mean we got we we're, the cabinet's not empty. You have a freshman starting left tackle in the Big Ten. Right. That's that doesn't happen. So even though he wasn't the best left tackle in the country this year, he has a ceiling if he's even able to be put out there that for that long. Right. Um. You got uh, Marcus Finger. Um. On that, that's a, a big body coming out um last year's recruiting class so we have some guys but yes we need a lot of depth like um locks was saying earlier this year he wanted a three deep on the offensive line yeah we don't have that no so yeah you need some juco boys yeah to fill up that three deep for sure um and some of them will end up on that starting line probably beat out some of these guys uh next year 
All right, man. Well, look, we spent a lot of time talking about football a little bit more than we wanted to, but you know, I feel like all of those points are very yeah. valid. A lot of things that uh, we need to to look forward to moving forward. I do want to mention the only progress that we can hold on to, and we have talked about this year, is Chance Campbell has looked very good. It's a bright spot coming through, and Nick Cross looks like an NFL safety. I mean, he yeah. is he he has been. That's that's probably you know name one. I hope I don't hear in the transfer portal. Yeah, is Nick Cross? You know, Javon Leak's up there with him, but Nick Cross would hurt real bad. So please, Nick, stay the course. <laughs> you got some help coming in the young bucks. Hopefully, Loxon gets you some more help out of the JUCO levels. And that's about it for football. Let's talk about a team that wins. Shells like shells like shells like team spirit. All right, Ryan. Let's start start it off with the shells like team spirit segment. It's kind of a hot and not. What we liked over the last two weeks, what we didn't like, a couple of guys that we got our eye on. Who's been that standout Terp for you so far on the basketball squad? Well, it's got to be Daryl Marcel, man. Is there anybody else with more toughness, leadership, and hustle on this team? No. No. I that's a, that's no, he's, a very good statement. This is, this is the grittiest player we got. Um, you know, Baltimore proud. He's averaging uh, just over 23 minutes. Yeah. He's got eight points, four rebounds, two assists, and just under two steals a game. The guys, the guys hustling all over the court, playing all around good ball. Even the games he wasn't starting, he came in to start these runs. You know, every the games have been slow starting. We're tied with the team. We're dragging behind a team that we should be beating the snot out of. Right. And he's been and he's been a spark almost every time. Yeah. You know, it's either a big dunk from him, a steal in transition, or he's coming off the bench to start the run. Um, he's shoot, shooting thirty three percent from three. Uh. Free throws at 88%, which is great because free throws have been a problem on this team, and 47% from the field. Uh, he he was your best lockdown defender last year, right. but now you're seeing more of that freshman year where we brought him in as like a true scorer, drive-to-the-basket type player. Right. So he's combining the two this year, and I really like what I'm seeing. I, I mean, I can't argue with that, and if I were picking first and I were going first, he would have been my guy too. But, you know, I'm going to go with more of an under-the-radar guy, a guy that maybe not a lot of people had real high expectations for, and I know I certainly didn't have this high expectations for, but it's got to be Ricky Lindo. Little short shorts. <laughs> Ricky also, Lindo. those shorts have grown a little bit this year. Well, so not- so is he. So I think he <laughs> I think he uh, upsized on the shorts there. But, uh, now Ricky Lindo, he, he's been playing kind of limited. They've had him about 13 minutes a game right now, but – You've seen the benefits of that added 30 pounds that he put in in the offseason. I mean, this guy, he's he's doing a little bit of everything. He's averaging just under six points a game. But, you know, on a team that's struggling shooting the ball right now, this guy's been the one standout guy in the the limited minutes that he's playing. He's shooting at 75%. He's playing good low post ball, which... That's kind of one, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. That's been one of my areas of concern is we're not playing strong enough down low. He's been one of those guys that's really been impressive for me. Yeah, and he's not one of our biggest uh, front court uh, boys there, but he is no. playing strong for his size, that's for certain. Um, you know, you talked about about our shooting being poor. That's kind of leads me to my pick for not so impressed, yeah. the one we need to see more from, Sorrell Smith. Sorrell Smith was a spark last year. He was a good three-point shooter. He could uh, give us some break for the for the point guards available. Uh, this year, he's only playing ten minutes a game, but it's hard to get him anymore when you're thirty three percent from the field, twenty two percent from three point, and sixty percent from the free throw line. If you're a guard, you're supposed to be a shooter. Sixty percent's not acceptable. That's yeah. nearly hack a shack numbers, and you're supposed to be a shooter, right? Uh, I, I, I can't say more about it. I think we'll see better from him. He played better in similar minutes last year. 
he's obviously not going to be one of the front runners for minutes, right. but I think he will probably get a little bit more than the 10 minutes he has now. And we, in order for that to happen, he has to play better. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, look, it's a small sample size. It's five games. Five games so far. And you're going to hate me for my guy here. But it's got to be Eric Ayala. Oh, um, no, it's my boy. Don't yeah, do it. I, I, I Don't really, do it to him. Listen, he's, he's out there playing 25 minutes a game. My problem is last year there were two things that I really liked about his game was his ability to get others involved uh, and be a facilitator and his ability to shoot. And those are two areas that he's struggling on this year. I mean, he's only averaging just over two assists a game, so he's not getting other teammates involved. And he's shooting 30%. Actually, I'm no, I'm sorry. He's shooting 22% from three. This is a guy that we talked about in the offseason being one of the best shooters on the squad and one of the best shooters from three, and it just hasn't shown so far this year. You so know, that, that's a guy that I had high expectations for, and he's just not living up to it as of yet. I'm Still living early. some uh, red sunglass lifestyle because you said 22% from three, and I had to pick up my stat sheet to make sure you were right because that just doesn't feel right. 22%. You're telling me this weight loss hurt my boy Eric Ayala? <laughs> he's just so excited to play above the rim. Did you see that two-handed dunk over yeah. that man he got teed up I, for? I almost <laughs> didn't call him out just because that posterized dunk was amazing. <laughs> but outside of that, I, it's been kind of a, a, a slow start to the year. And look – that's been really the biggest problem with this Terp squad, if you can point out anything on a 5-0 and squad, has been the starts to each one of these games. Every game so far, the Terps have just gotten off to a really, really slow start. Eric Ayala still looked really good with the ball in his hands. He's still done the good point guard things. I will agree with you. That shooting percentage has to come up. I think it, it will come up. I mean, you had an entire season of him and Wiggins playing pretty serious minutes last year. They're both over 40%. He's still in the top four for points. He's leading the team in assists. I he has needs to play better. I accept this. I'm not going to say you're wrong, <laughs> but I think that he will. His name will not be in the segment very often this year. No, so it you're, won't. You're, you're, it's a good thing you got it in early. <laughs> I agree with that. Only time will show. Only time will show. All right, Ryan. So in this only time will show segment, we're going to talk things that relate to time, and specifically. Minutes check, rotations, bench usage, and even some future matchups. Yep, only time will show what these future matchups bring, so we can only put it in this segment. So I know one of the things that we've talked about at Nauseam uh, was the depth on this team, right? And getting the proper usage as far as minutes. One of the big things I know you were an advocate for was not seeing Cowan on the floor for up to 30 minutes in a game, and he's getting close to that point. Yeah, we still have a lot of bench points to to spread around, and Cowan um, was at 30 minutes a game after game four. He has now dropped his average to 28.6 minutes, a um, little bit more comfortable there. Again, this is all a big step in the right direction from the, like, 37 minutes a game his freshman year when him and Herter played the entire game, right. and then the upper 30s or mid-30s last year. Um so it, it, it's, it's a step in the right direction. I just hope that all these bench minutes don't go back to him and he's right in the same spot. No, I agree with that. And I think for me, some of the guys that haven't seen enough time, uh, one is Lindo, I think because of the improved play that he has deserved some time. And I, I think, again, one of my biggest issues with this squad is the lack of power play down low. They've got size on every team. They're the bigger team in the in the in the Big Ten Conference. They've got the size. They just need to use that to their advantage. And so far, we haven't seen that. A couple of kids 
The Mitchell twins have that size. So I think these are two kids that I want to see a little bit more time and a little bit more out of. I've been pretty impressed with what I've seen so far. Yeah, there are a lot of the freshmen are very much producing. A couple of them are playing a little too fast, and some of their minutes are kind of out of coach's control because we've got, I think it was Dante Scott had four fouls in four minutes. Yeah. That was that was pretty impressive. <laughs> um, so, you know, when things like that happen, it's really going to skew your minutes. And these guys, are tr- they're all hustling. They're, they're doing everything we ask the football team to do. They're giving their all, they're hustling, they're playing hard. Right. And some of them are playing a little too fast and picking up these ticky-tack fouls. So they're going to learn to play inside themselves. You know, Bruno was in foul trouble his freshman year, completely cleaned it up in his sophomore year. Yeah. So hopefully we'll see that that advancement a little bit faster than the next year. It's just, you know, <laughs> in the beginning part of the year when it's your cupcake portion of the schedule, this is where you can really evaluate some of those players because you have the the ability to have them on the court more just because you're playing against lesser opponents. Once we start getting into Big Ten play and all of that, you're going to expect your your better players and your senior players and your you know your more touted players to be getting more minutes. So I just feel like I want to see these kids get a little bit more time so we can see them develop a little bit more. All right. So the way I'm looking at this, we have 10 minutes to go around. We got four players playing right now that if you're in a tight interconference game, aren't going to be playing. You got Tamayich, which I was very hopeful that he would show me his freshman form. It hasn't been there. And then you got uh, Reese Mona, even though he's an internet sensation with his two for two and his nice three that blew up the bench. Still won't be playing much in these bigger no, games. No. Will Clark and Travis Valman. So between them, they're averaging 10 points a game. Or not 10, I'm sorry, not 10 points, 10 minutes a game. Those minutes are going to evaporate and go elsewhere on this on this squad. Yeah. So where do you put these minutes? That's where I say I think the Mitchell twins need to be involved more. I have liked what I've seen out of Hakeem Hart defensively. He's got a little bit of an awkward shot. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. He's got like a almost like a quick delivery shot. Um, he needs to clean that up a little bit. It's just a mechanical type thing. The get the kid put up numbers uh, in high school. He's still kind of adapting to the growth that he had, the growth spurt. I think he. I mean, he grew like six inches in a summer or something, and that's where he really got on the radar for all these colleges. So I'd like to see those three guys for me get a little bit more time. Uh, and I think to your point earlier, Sorrell Smith would be another guy, especially struggling from three as a team. We need to see him kind of get involved to start shooting the ball a little bit more from deep. Yeah, we need to get him a few more shots just to see where we're at, especially if we can if we have a few more of these games where we're ahead. Right. We need to get that that three pointer back to where it was because we're going to need it at some point. Um, so you got you got four five guys already over twenty minutes. And then you got Dante Scott at 15, Ricky Lindo at 13. Then the rest you is where you're going to break this up. So you, you already talked about Sorrell Smith and Hakeem Hart, the Mitchell twins. That's that's where it's at. I think I give as long as none of it goes to Cowan, I'm happy. Like yeah. we can't Cowan can't have any more. Jalen Smith can't have any more. They're already tapped out. They're at 28 and 27 minutes a game. So you you don't want to burn them to death. You don't want them playing tired. Again, I come out as a as a hating Cowan guy. That's not it. Right. I think that that Coach Turgeon plays him so many minutes that an 80% of Anthony Cowan is not as good as 100% of somebody 100% else. 100% agree. I need him I need him healthy and and not winded at the end of the game that way he can make these big shots. He can make these big drives late in the games. So as long as he keeps under 30 and Jalen Smith doesn't need any more work cuz he's he also he's just getting these legs under him. His right. upper body's huge now. Nobody's taking the ball from him anymore. Last year they were just grabbing the ball and removing it from him. That's not going to happen. But he didn't really build the lower body quite the same, so he's not be- you know beating down the doorways down there. So you can't have him 
pounding for more than 25, 27 minutes is that all right? I know, but that's again, that's one of my biggest drawbacks with him. As as much as he's put on size, like you said, the majority of it's in his upper half. Playing against these lesser opponents, this is where I expected to see him really dominate down low. And all I'm seeing are these 10 and 12 foot jump shots, which I mean, granted, he's a pretty darn good shooter for his size, but he should be using that size to his advantage and taking the higher percentage shots in the low post. There's going to be teams in the Big Ten that are going to body him up, and he's not going to be able to you know, use his physicality down low. And he's going to have to shoot, and we know that he can do that. But against these smaller teams, I want to see him using that. So you just like Eminem eight mild me because you brought up my argument against me as a positive. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the thing is these teams he could have bodied and dunked over almost all these guys. There were a few teams that had some big players because that's just what happens. Basketball you only need a few few studs, um, but most teams he could have abused down low. Right. That's not going to be the case in the future. So he's practicing what he's going to have to do this year. Yeah, he's going to have to get in the low post because he's who we got. But he's not going to be able to just body up and dunk the ball a hundred times. He could average thirty points against a couple of these teams. He right. didn't, you know, because they they didn't want to just be like, all right, well, look how good our center is compared to their center. They played exactly like they would play against any of these other teams. They showed their whole rotation. They got minutes to everybody. They could have just played catch with him and Cowan and won every one of these games. Right. But that wouldn't have gave you the work. That wouldn't have gave you the benefit of what you're going to have to do in the future. Yeah. No, I get that. It's just when you're trying to play close games in the Big Ten and you're trying to go bucket for bucket. He should have been working on some post moves. You've got to work on your post moves because you're going to have to get those higher percentage shots. You can't rely on shooting 45 to 50% every single game. We've seen the inconsistency already through the board. I mean, nobody on this team really is shooting good from three-point. And again, field goal percentages as a whole are down. I mean, we're talking Anthony Cowan shooting at 41%. You know, and that's our that's our primary scorer. Only, Aaron Wiggins is at thirty nine percent. Yeah, the only benefit there is that uh, Anthony Cowan's at forty one from the field and nearly the same thirty nine percent from three. Yeah. So he doesn't, he doesn't drop off from anywhere on the on the court. <laughs> and we all know he'll launch it from half court. Right. <laughs> so bringing it back to the title of this segment, only time will show. Well, in the future, we've got this Orlando Invitational up next. Maryland's going to actually open up to play against Temple on Thanksgiving Day at 11 a.m., pretty early start. What can we expect to see in this game? What kind of challenges does this team present? Well, the media's been talking up this Temple tough stuff, and that, that's been very true in the past. We all remember the Temple teams with the enforcers coming off the bench, right? and we just got our, our tails beat by the football team in a very tough physical matchup. But these guys might be tough, but I don't think that's what we're looking at. We're not looking at the big front court issues. Four out of their top five scorers are guards. Wow. So this is not the the traditional Temple matchup you would think of. Their number one player um, is a 6'4 uh, junior guard named Nate Perry-Louise. Uh, guard leads them in points, assists, steals, blocks, and even for good t- good measure, he leads them in turnovers. Wow. <laughs> so pretty much leads the team. Um <laughs> So he's definitely something we're going to look into. I would imagine being a bigger guy like that, 6'4", 205, you're going to see a heavy dose of Daryl Morcell in his lap. Yeah, How do I you would, see that? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, look, this team is, is a, a legit team. There's no other top 25 teams in this tournament, but they started the year 4-0. They just beat a, a on the cusp of the top 25 team in USC 70-61. to 
So this team does have the ability to put points up. Uh, you know, they've got a kid, a local kid, a kid that I know was on Turgeon's radar there for a little while, six foot seven, 220 pound junior forward, Devondre Perry out of Poly. Uh, so, you know, they've got some local ties there. Uh, again, to your point, they're pretty, pretty small. Uh, they're a shooting team. They're not a real physical team. But I think Daryl Morcell adds a real good challenge for them because he can do it all. Yeah, that local Baltimore kid out of Poly is really interesting. Again, a Baltimore and a junior. So you're talking uh, Daryl Morcell played against him all three years. Right, exactly. Talking sticks knows him very well. Yep. Um, and so he he led them to a Division One championship while he was there at Poly. Uh, so he's definitely going to be somebody to keep an eye on. This will be probably the hardest test of the year, and it might be the toughest uh, uh, person in the uh, tournament. Um, you got USC and Marquette that have all been in the top 25, and um, they also are like in the receiving votes, like that also mentioned section of the top 25 right, right now. Right. But they have have been removed from it. So this this might be the winner. Of this game wins that tournament. Yeah, could very well be. Turtle tantrums. That's right, Ryan. It's time for turtle tantrums. Which turtle tantrums? What we're going to do is we're going to isolate two minutes, and you and I on a week to week basis are going to rotate as to who gets the their two minutes on the mic to kind of give the good, bad, and ugly of all the things that you want to get out that we haven't covered on the show as of yet. So that way we can kind of limit how much negativity comes into the podcast down to a certain specific segment. So you're going to kick this segment off. Ryan, are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do the damn thing. Your two minutes starts now. All right, so my first uh, in-person game this year for basketball, sitting courtside against Fairfield. It was hard not to dream what this team could have been with Bruno here for his third year. The team returned visibly bigger, and some of the stat lines of blocks and rebounds seemed to show improvement. But tough front-line play is just not what I saw. I saw a commitment to getting the ball inside, but I did not see the ability. Everything was a fight and a struggle, and even though the other team was undersized and a serious talent deficit, but they had to fight and the aggression to help keep them in it. Smith alone can't be held responsible for this. We need the Twins and Lindo to play better and more aggressive. I also really hope Chole can come in after the injury and let Smith play some four, which seems to be his more true position. When you batty up inside, you're going to be at the line. But outside of Jalen, our frontcourt players have been very disappointing. Lindo, 50% from the line. Mackay, uh, 53. And Mikel, 50. Same problems, different year. According to New York Times, the average collegiate free throw should be 69% and NBA, 75. This has been really steady over the 50 years. It's a big sample. We shouldn't be an average college team. We should be much closer to that NBA number. But, of course, we're not. Um... I, f- I feel like Wiggins and Sorrell are also big problems with 56% from Wiggins and Sorrell at 60. Uh, it's only five games. These guys can g- can get it together. But if you're really good shooters, you should be able to do better. I just hope this team can quickly adjust and get some free points. If no improvement is made in the front court play and the free throw shooting, we will not be able to hold this top 10 ranking and get into the Big Ten play. Speaking of Fairfield, the poor student attendance was also talked about there with our terrible flag drop on in the media. Poor student attendance was also in great show at Nebraska. Everybody can blame this on the football team not winning, but if your number six squad can't get anybody in the stands, your football team not able to get bowl eligibility sure isn't either. These students need to step their game up, can't be inside playing Fortnite all day. Come see your friends, come hang out, come do something. Just because it's not good football doesn't mean it can't be a good time. 
Good job, Brian. I tried. <laughs> By the way, that last part was just because I had extra time. I was a little angry about it. I totally wasn't going to shoot on shit on the students today, but there it is. Uh, it was well worth it, man. Again, I think to your point, a number six squad. I don't care who they're playing against. Don't that, care if it's a Tuesday night. I don't care about finals. Yeah. All the excuses I've seen. It's a number six squad. It wasn't half full. Yeah, and it, that's and it wasn't. And I'm not going to lie. It was not just the students. There were plenty of season ticket holder seats empty, and I was sitting in a season ticket holder seat that I paid $1 per ticket on game time. So all of you listening that don't feel like it's an affordable thing, because it's not. I don't have season tickets to basketball. I have season tickets to football, because that's affordable. <laughs> Go on game time app. Not a sponsor. Should be. Give us a call, game time. <laughs> $1 is what it was listed as. That's what the guy selling it got. I ended up paying an average of $8 per ticket because of fees. That's still a great time. It's like a high school basketball game. Yeah. Uh, the, the basketball games are super fun. So are the football games. I mean, regardless of whether they're winning or losing right now, I know it's been a bad product. But at the end of the day, if you're a Terp fan, get out there and support your team. Get out there and support your players. Because without you guys out there, I mean, none of this stuff is possible. There's, I, I, there's just no way that we're going to attract other players and other future commits to want to come here when there's nobody to play in front of. I'm such a, a Debbie Downer on this. Uh, I, I just think about when these students that aren't bothering coming to schools are your 35 to 55-year-old donors. Right. Are they going to give anything to college athletics? College athletics might just die. It might just be over. <sighs> I, I don't know. I'm a doomsdayer there for that, but hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully, I mean, Alabama's having trouble getting people to come to their football games when it's not against Auburn and LSU. Right. If Alabama can't get people coming in, it's it's falling apart. Yeah, that's definitely a problem. But look, want to thank everybody for tuning in to this week's episode. Want to you know want to ask you guys, what did you think of the show? Did you like the new segments that we added for the basketball season? Hit us up on social media and let us know what your thoughts are. You can find Ryan and I on there. You find me at Fred BLBS. You can find Ryan at Terps Bespert. You can follow the Shell and Tell page at Shell and Tell Pod. You want to send us an email, ask us a question that we can use on the show, do that at shellandtellpod at gmail.com. Uh, if you're looking for past episodes, some episodes that me broke the, the team down earlier on in the year, go to www.birdlandbs.com backslash shellandtell for all of our episodes, or you can download them on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on Spotify and iHeartRadio. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Ryan, sign us off. All right, I want a little sales pitch you here. We got Birdland BS uh, t-shirts. We also got new Shell and Tell t-shirts. You all saw me on That's Twitter. Right. Um, so even though we couldn't get all the players in the stands, I want to see you guys in these shirts out there with me. All right. <laughs> Tweet your shell and tell as much as you can. Give us some questions to talk about. Basketball is a lot of stuff the same time over and over again. Same players. So give me your questions and let's get this thing interesting. Till next time, everyone. Here's to wishing all is well under the show.